I am Gaima, and you have arrived. Welcome. Spend some time. gratitude and being able to share this with you all, I can't even really begin to explain. I always brag about how amazing my friendship circle is, the people who are in it, and how creative and awesome and authentic they are. And one of the ways in which I was able to try and showcase some of my friends and people that I just know and think super highly of is through conversations with creatives. I can't believe I'm kicking off this series on this podcast by sharing this episode with Rab Bakri, given that He just died yesterday. I am absolutely devastated. Absolutely. Um, For so many different reasons. Selfishly, I think about his daughters. He was just such a really good father and really a girl dad. And he just... He lived his life, when I say balls to the wall, like this man epitomizes living your best life. I am a part of a community that is global, that is in mourning. We are shocked by Rab's just so sudden departure from this this realm But I think collectively, I speak for people, some of who I know super deeply, some of them that I may have only met on an occasion through RAB. I speak for all of us when I say he was an absolute beam of light, good vibes, the best smile, always had a good attitude, and was blessed with connections, talent, all of the things. And he just, he was also an advocate for women in the music industry. He was an advocate for women who wanted to hold a space in that industry, no matter what the capacity. And um, he helped to create spaces for us. If he couldn't even curate the space, 
he would at least connect you. And there were no strings attached. Just because he fully felt like he believed in you, like he believed in what you may have to offer, as long as he felt it, he did whatever was in his power to connect you and build you up. And he was just so consistent. I hope you all take something away from this interview that may create a shift in your mind, if nothing else, in how you see the world, how you may see yourself, especially if you're someone who has any sort of diasporic connection to Africa. Rab, I love you and I'll miss you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Oh, 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 big head, big head. Which one, me or you? Me. <laughs> <laughs> because I was gonna, I was gonna take it. I feel like um, Instagram makes everybody wide, if you will. Yeah. 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 Let, me so, move, let me move back a little bit. I don't don't know that that helps. I mean, there's like something behind me, but look how big my head is. Wow. It is what it is. Welcome, Leanne. Good to see you. Sounded good and clear? Do I sound clear? Yeah, so far, you're not Teddy Riley-ing the situation. We're good. So so you're saying Ghana has good bandwidth? No, I'm saying that's (laughs) Okay. <laughs> you guys know you are on some three, three and a half G. You know y'all are out there skating, getting getting by. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's always touch and go when I talk to my sister. So uh, we're like, are we gonna have good service in this conversation or not? Yeah. You see how wore you guys my- spreads today. Oh, is my face blurry? No. No, no, you're good. Oh, okay. Did you re-up for this? No, this is just my, this is my normal data on my phone. Nope. Oh, well, look at you yeah. showing off. No, I, I didn't create the, that thing. I'm just saying, like, just vote. I use Vodafone. Maybe, okay. maybe Saleh uses MTN. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. um, either way, glad to have you. We've got some people that have joined us, and I know they will be joining us. We got a comment. Brainy folks uh, equals fat medulas. Facts. Facts. We'll take oh. that as a compliment. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So, how's it going? Oh, me? I literally just finished a pot of okra soup with smoked fish and grilled mackerel and smoked turkey wings. I low-key regret regret asking you that question because... (laughs) I I, I literally just finished it. I can bring the pot in from the kitchen. I mean, I eat late. Yeah. No, no, no. It's all right. So I I finished eating a little bowl of it also with the eba, which is made from gari. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm satisfied now. So next is 
to top it off is a chilled coat. You see the chill on it? Oh, you're showing up today. Okay. Chilled, cold. Chilled. Guinness smooth. Guinness smooth. That's not even regular Guinness. That's Guinness no, smooth. No, it's different. Yeah, it's nice. You show and it off. And it costs about, off. how much does this thing cost now? About 70 cents, U.S. dollars. Okay. All right. Well, I, you know what? Give the people what they need to know. So you can definitely <laughs> elevate your, your eateries by simply, I don't know, relocating to Accra. You could do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're you're out here stunting for the gram. That's real stunting. I'm not even going to lie. I, well, I, I eat late. It's 11 o'clock here. Actually, it's 11, 11, 12 minutes after 11 p.m. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. All right, all right, all right. So how's everything no, going COVID-19-wise? Uh, the money's dried up. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know if that's worldwide. I heard the French and the Germans saying they, we got to open the economy. So if it's driving up, it's drying up from the Europeans, you can imagine how it is for us, us Africans. So, um, Yeah, yeah. Euro-Americans and African-Americans and North Americans also. Um, um yeah for i mean it of course you know we talked and it definitely depends on the uh industry that you know you're in some industries it's definitely at a standstill while others are absolutely flourishing of course technology is on the side of flourishing right i mean even right yeah. now look at us ig whatever whoever stocks whatever because of course ig is owned by facebook but Everybody is using Instagram now in a way that they never have. Anything that's technologically connected, you know, because everyone is online, et cetera, versus restaurant industry, service industries, with the exception of, I would say, like, grocery stores. A lot of those are at a standstill. So it's tough. Yep. It's tough. Yeah. So, I mean, what happened here in Ghana, a nation, since the last census of 2010, they said Ghana was 32 million people. Uh, like most developing countries, that's the term the Europeans use. Mm -hmm. Ghana is based on a lot of what we call the informal sector. So informal sector mainly means like you can start a business and you don't pay taxes. That's what they mean by informal sector. Okay. So, if you've been selling fried rice and grilled chicken in front of your house for the past 15 years, your aunt, <laughs> and she's not paying taxes on that fried rice and chicken, that's what we call informal. Or gotcha. you're selling something on the roadside in the street for the past five years because you moved from a different city to come to a better city or bigger, more opportunistic city like Accra, that's mm -hmm. the informal sector. If you're digging illegally for gold and you find like one gold nugget after Three months of digging, that's informal sector. So it's it's when they initiated the first the, the first and only lockdown, they picked four cities. Now Ghana has many cities. So mm -hmm. Accra is one, Kumasi is another, but cities like Takradi, which has a major port and everything, did not get the three week lockdown, twenty-one day lockdown. Mm. And locked yeah. So it wasn't like a countrywide lockdown. So Cities in the northern city, like Tamale and everything, they didn't get the lockdown. And 
Okay. That created some confusion because people were moving around and they needed mm -hmm. to get to Accra or they needed mm -hmm. to get to Kumasi to mm -hmm. sell their goods and make their money to pick up something or whatever. So before they initiated the city lockdowns per city, they initiated the border closings. Mm. Yeah. They initiated the border closings. And the border closings. So Ghana is surrounded by Burkina Faso on the north, in the west, La Cote d'Ivoire, and mm -hmm. in the east, Togo. So unless you were moving essential goods, meaning medical supplies or food, so if you had a, a, a truckload of onions, then yeah, you can, you can enter Ghana. Or if you had a truckload of PPEs that came from China, because at first China was really making all this uh, personal protective equipment, you can move into Ghana. And then, of course, the boats, the ships. So the ships that come from Europe and hit every West African port, Freetown, Boom Boom, Conakry, uh, Monrovia, all the way down, you know, right. all the way into Nigeria and Cameroon, right? So right. The boats, you couldn't get off the boat and just come hang out and party in town in Tema or Takwadi. And then, of course, the airlines. Right. So, Right. So Ghana, Ghana was selective about at first, like all countries was okay. No, air, no direct flights come from China, so it wasn't like China, but it was you know discriminating politely against Chinese who came on Ethiopian Airlines, Turkish Airlines, and on and on. Mm. Then eventually, March fifteenth, no March, March twenty first, they just closed the borders, air, land, and sea, and they're mm. still not open to this day. I know. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, some people feel that they're stuck. So they raise hell with their embassies and embassies send emergency flights like certain South Africans, mm -hmm. certain Danish, certain British, certain French, certain German, certain Americans. And they skedaddled out of there to parts unknown to deal with their COVID or SARS, COVID, SARS, COVID-2 virus invasion in their particular land of passport identity. Okay. So, I mean, of course, when we were there with you, this is several years back, um, there was absolutely no COVID-19, if you will, no restrictions. And, you know, we, we landed um, mid-December, I think it was like December 10th. Um, and, you know, the climate was completely different. Um, I mean, I think you literally took us straight from the airport to the club. And that was the beginning of two, what, at least 10, maybe 12 days full of just partying back to back to back to back, sightseeing nonstop. It seemed like you was, you and uh, Kuku Gonza was here for longer than that, but you're saying 10 to 12 days? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we would have stayed longer, but we had to get to Sierra Leone because I had to see my family in time for Christmas. A, yeah, right. You had a serious itinerary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we probably would have stayed longer and party longer, right? Yeah. Um, but did it crazy. You did it crazy. You did it like North Africa, then East Africa, then West Africa. So I was like, okay, are they going to Southern Africa? Are they going to Lesotho or South Africa? We Didn't went to happen. South Africa. Okay, then that's right. You did all. Yeah. Okay, set, 
You didn't do Central Africa. So you didn't we go didn't to Chad, Cameroon, no. uh, Republic of Congo, Congo. No, okay, you didn't do any of that. We didn't do Central. That was the only yeah. region that we didn't touch. Yeah. Right, right. right. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, Lady now, who knows, the next time, I, there's definitely some places that we have, you know, on our itinerary. Um, one of the rules of thumb for us has always been, you know, if it's a, a country where, you know, we, it's not necessarily structured for tourism, if you will, in the way in which we know it to partner up and go with someone who we know personally it's their country so they can bring us in if you will so and we always you know recommend that but right. you know who knows we we've got the beautiful rafia joining she's congolese maybe she'll take us when we go back to congo that would be great right uh, yes mm -hmm. so um but you know how do you believe because i mean you've been you typically come and go in this time, you know, like uh, previously, you got to Ghana, what was it, October or November? Uh, late, late October. And I haven't been back to the United States since. But yeah. I've been so to other, other African countries. Remember, there's 54 African countries, but. I, no, I, yeah. Of course, yes. of course. So yes. tell us first, um, how has it been for you? Because. A lot of people are, you know, especially this past uh, Christmas season, if you will, ah. um, there was a huge number of people who were, were successfully marketed to about year of the return. It was officially, I guess, 400 years since the first slave ship hit the shores of the United States, like North America, if you will. Um, and there was the huge notion to return to the motherland and ghana was you know over the course of many years politically set up to be that country on the west coast of africa to receive people who were coming to connect for the first time to the continent not just ghana but to africa in general fresh eyes so on and so forth so you being a diasporan who is of Ghanaian background and you've been going back and forth. What was it like to witness all of these diasporans? Well, okay. You and, you and Coco came before the year return. Oh, yeah. We're pioneers. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. Pioneers. <laughs> the, the pioneers don't get, you know, any credit. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have a sponsor, no essence.com or anything. But on our own, you know, it was on our hearts. It was something that was really on our hearts to do. It was something spiritual for both of us. And, you know, we're just, we're blessed to have been able to do it when we did. But yeah, you're right. It was before the 2019 year of the return. But if you think about it, it was people like you and Coco and later your sister Saleh that through your, I don't want to say, okay, social gatherings and connections kind of put the word out about Ghana. Yeah. For better or worse. So mm -hmm. imagine multiply that about a thousand other people who did the same thing in 2017, 2016, 2017, 2018 to come up to the point of December 2019 and January 2020. Because it did bleed into this year, early part of this year before the virus invasion. Right. In, in Africa and, and of course, North America and Europe. 
because in January we're still bubbling in Asia. Right, you you right. got you ladies did the groundwork to prepare people who were sitting on the fence at the time. Think about it. Like you wrote some beautiful things. Like immediately when you returned back to North America and stuff. And yeah. And ninety nine nine hundred ninety nine other people did the same exact thing. So yeah. when the year return came, the only thing I didn't like about it is that it was co opted by. American citizen. Explain. What do you mean? We had Ghana knew that the year return was meant for five different groups of people. So the person of African descent in the United mm -hmm. States, when I mean African descent, I mean African descent by all around. slave ship. No, no, not all around. By slave ship crossing the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. That, okay. So most Ghanaians, even in the newspapers and the blogs, on the TV shows, they said there are five type of returnees to Ghana in the late 2019, early 2020. Number one, those separated by years of, of being in, a, in another continent, might as well say, through slavery. Okay. So that means Honduras. <laughs> that means Jamaica. That means Cuba, that means Dominican Republic, that means Puerto Rico, that means St. Lucia, Trinidad, Tobago, all these people. But I'm saying the United States Americans co-opted that to where the Caribbean and the Central American and the South American, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Venezuela, Guyana, both Guyana, Suriname, they all got pushed to the side because it became an American year of return. When I mean American, mm -hmm. I mean United States of America. I see what the you second, mean. Okay. So the second, so in Ghana, the second type of returnee was a Ghanaian who, who's Ghanaian because both their parents are Ghanaian. But because of political situations, economic situations in the 60s, the 70s, and 80s, the 90s, they left Ghana and had children in a land outside of Ghana. So I know people who was born in South Africa who both parents are Ghanaian, they held the flag of the year return also. I know Ghanaians born in the Bronx, New York City, or Maryland, or Virginia, and Washington, the DMV area, both parents are Ghanaian, and they held the flag up because they were born in the United States, they were born in Berlin, Germany, they were born in Johannesburg, South Africa, and they said, I'm coming back home also. Gotcha. Okay. And then the third Ghanaian, or I mean Ghanaian, the third returnee is, is the Ghanaian who left Ghana and met a European or North American and had a child, and that person knows more of the European or Cana uh, of the, the European or North American heritage more than a Ghanaian. So when they became of age, 18 and 19, they, they, they hit a point where I'm not European because the white European is telling me I'm not European and the black African telling me I'm not black African and I know this Europe, so I need to go back to Ghana to find my roots. So you have okay. that one, right? Okay. The fourth one is the students who at 17, 18, 19, left Ghana, 
and didn't return back to Ghana until they was like 38 years old or something like that. Mm. So they come back with Western ways or wherever they went. They even, maybe they went to Australia, maybe they went to Japan and hasn't been mm. back to Ghana in 20, 25 years. They are returnees also. That's four. And they, right. And the fifth one is escaping me for a minute. Uh, it'll come to me in. But I mean, it's, have, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 That's how Ghanaians see it. Like, they were all, we all returnees. It's not an American thing. Because you started off the thing, oh, 400 years since 1619, the first uh, mm -hmm. Spanish Portuguese ship came to Virginia area. And Ghanaians never saw it like that because they say we're all returnees. Wow. So what do you think um, that mindset, which I mean, it's 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 amazing to hear it because I think this yeah. is the first time, you know, that I'm hearing it is like fully articulated as such. Right. Yeah. I do recall having some conversations with um, some other Ghanaians in Ghana, just like you, who felt some sort of way about the way that the year of the return was being marketed. Um, yeah. The biggest concern that was articulated to me was, you know, you've got these entities coming in um, from the United States, these media platforms with huge social media following, so on and so forth, and they're creating these packages where people are spending an immense amount of money for a, a trip and a timeline that in real true reality, they're overpaying for what they're gonna receive. Yeah. Not only was that the first concern, but then the biggest issue was, are the locals that are based in Ghana who are every day, like you said, the lady who is um, offering fried rice and chicken every day outside her door around the corner, are they going to truly capitalize from this influx or have strategic places and entities and business owners in Ghana mm. aligned with these media platforms and they're going to be the ones to reap the benefit and the locals who truly need the boost in their income, so on and so forth, they're probably going to be an oversight. What do you think about that notion did you see that happen yes i did because i've traveled a lot in my life it's hard to get an idea of a country of many different ethnic groups many different type of um topologies and climates because ghana's not one way it's not like you go to a caribbean island it's just tropical from one side of the island to the other there's many different climates and top and many different ethnic groups, many different languages, many different cultures, many different histories and stuff, all bundled mm -hmm. because the Europeans said the borders should go like this. Pretty much. Right. That's, that's the truth, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of them came and got their 10-day their orgasm. Mm. That's the right word. Ooh, so, <laughs> have you ever, but like, I have you, ever, you, that's a like, very... That, very accurate way to state that. Look at your so words, people, man. So people, most of those people will never come back to Ghana again. Mm. And just think of yourself, like, okay, if you even if you went to a nice place, like 
you don't go back there every quarter of the year. There's four quarters in a year. It's, if you're lucky, you you because your career and maybe you have a family, you get back there again in six years. Mm. Because if you've been going someplace more often, that means you got family ties or something or business going on in that place. Right. Other than that, you're not going to go back there. I know people who's going to Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, it's fine, but I ain't been down there in eight years. You know, right. Salvador, Brazil. Oh, it's live, but I haven't been down there in seven years. You know. Mm -hmm. So most of those people, they won't come back, and they got what they can out of it. You know. So I that's don't expect. Really, yeah. That's really that's really insightful. That's really insightful. That, so I don't expect people to co-opt their four hundred one k savings if they work in Columbus, Ohio, or New York City, or downtown Washington, D.C. I don't expect them to, to uh, jack their, um, you know, try to save up $15,000 and another $10,000 on top of that to stretch them six months of living in Accra, mm -hmm. Ghana. It, it, it just, it's just not going to happen. I don't expect them to convince their loving mother to pack their bags and come move to a neighborhood called East Legon in Accra and say, Mom, I want to be closer to you, so you got to go where I'm going. Not going to happen. Um, right. Pull a pull a fourteen year old son out of school. It's like one percent of people would do that. And well, what do you expect as somebody who you know? Of course, I mean to get a little bit into your background because I don't want to take you off the question because I think it's really important. But I mean, you are of um, one parent being of direct Ghanaian descent. And, you know, you grew up with the culture at an earlier age in life, like you left the U.S. and went back to Ghana. You were extremely influential on the music scene. You know, you're a founding DJ producer of Hip Life. So, you, I mean, you're, you're a culture influencer. You know, um, I'm waiting for your book. We'll talk about that offline. Mm -hmm. But... You know, so your ties are very, very deep for, a, a, you know, what one would call like the typical um, diasporan. Your, your, your background is not necessarily like the typical diasporan that took this hashtag year of return trip, right? Um, oh, you mean like the person coming from Trinidad and Tobago or the person coming? The person coming from Trinidad and Tobago where their family oh, ties are in Trinidad or in Tobago, yeah. right? Yeah. Or the typical diasporan from, um, from the Bronx who has had, you know, African food at some of the African restaurants and, you know, been around Africans like ourselves at parties yeah. and love the music and have been triggered to want to know more. And if you will experience that orgasm, right, by touching the soil and being immersed in the culture, but their ties aren't necessarily there. What do you expect of the African diaspora that falls into that shoe after they come and they experience Ghana, Accra specifically, once? And they've got 10 days completely filled up with the culture and the joy and the excitement, because also Accra December isn't Accra in April, right? Right. So wow. what what is your expectation? Okay, I just remember the fifth 
year returnee, the returnee. And the fifth okay. returnee was other Africans that was born on the African continent, but they felt they had to come to Ghana. I'm talking about Kenyans whose grandmother's Kenyan. They bought, they was born in Kenya. Their whole life has been in Kenya, but they had to get to Accra, Ghana. Uh, South mm -hmm. Africans, um, Malians, Senegalese, uh, let's, I mean, Cameroonians, let's go down the list. All the Africans, were, oh, they said, Ghana is the black flag, is the first black star on the flag, the red, black, and green, uh, mm -hmm. red, black, golden, green, and they represent us, and they always welcome us. Kwame Nkrumah, uh, Pan-Africanism, it's the, it's the birthplace of Pan-Africanism for honor as a sovereign nation on the African continent. We got to go there because Ghana got it going on. And those of us behind the scenes, like, Ghana got it going on. Well, if you only knew about the, the nonsense politics and then the bad infrastructure and everything kind of got it going on, huh? So I said, really? From an outsider looking in, uh, absolutely, it's, it's glamorous. So Especially I met a, yeah. Yeah, for a quick time, I, of course. I met a, yeah, so they were here seven to 10 days, somewhere were five days, and I met a lot of those people. And they, in the, all the conversations at the drinking bars, chewing on your kebab stick, or that, while you dance, it was just comparing their country, their African country, to Ghana. Con oh, that's the whole conversation. Oh, you guys, wow, your club's at six o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Oh, your police don't beat on people. Oh, your police don't stop roadblocks and take money from us. Oh, this, you know, just all kind of comparing. Oh, your music is different. Oh, this, wow. Oh, this is how you prepare okra. Well, we do okra like this. And, and yeah, so that's the fifth returning. They felt they needed to return to Ghana. And some of them have never been to Ghana, so it was kind of weird. Just like the Ghanaian born in the Bronx, whose parents left, and they've never been to Ghana, but now they're 23 years old, got that passport, that American passport, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, and that so, makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. So, so what, what do you feel their responsibility is as a diasporan? Because to your point, you know, for most people, it's expensive. It's just, it's not yeah. affordable, if you will, to be going on a, on a regular basis. You know, we're always talking about Koku and I, we're always talking about how we wish people would just take one of those Miami trips and <laughs> reallocate your funds, maybe pour a little bit more than what you originally anticipated, but not that much more. And you could be on the continent. And yeah. furthermore, we're like, not only should you be doing that, but you shouldn't just be visiting one country because you could actually, if you plan it right, afford to do at least two countries when you touch the continent. Yeah, I always find that bizarre about people coming from Europe and North America, and, and South America is guilty for this also. Mm -hmm. um, when they visit the continent of Africa, they look at it, they, they say they're going to Africa, so they look at it as one place. But when they come, they only visit one country. So I was like, but there are 53 other sovereign nations that some of them fought very hard to be a sovereign nation. So yeah. if you're saying you're going to Africa, why don't you just say you're going to Senegal or Gambia or, or, or Ghana? Don't say you're going to Africa, because then you should be trying to make it to every other country. I mean, money-wise and visa wise and you know geopolitical wise but mm -hmm. it was always bizarre to me like i'm going to africa and they just 
one country, and they take that one country and try to cookie cut a stamp on everything else. And so somebody from Freetown, nah, man, we're not like those Ghanaians, man. We're definitely not like those Nigerians and stuff. Have you been to Nigeria? No, I've been to Africa, though. We definitely like, like those Egyptians. We don't want to talk about that, right? <laughs> exactly. So I find that bizarre. So I don't have any expectations of anybody that comes because everybody is different. There, I met people who's like, I don't do hostels. I don't do these, these small bed and breakfast, which we call bed and breakfasts in North America. I don't do these small mom and pop hotels. I need four and five star. Matter of fact, the five star, it better be something I recognize from North America. If it's not Hilton, Radisson, Marriott, I can't stay there. I, I travel, but I need, I need to eat American food. Where can I buy pizza and spaghetti and lasagna mm -hmm. and stuff? I, I didn't come to Ghana to taste their food. Ah, oh, I'm glad they speak English. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't understand guy or tree. Just speak English and then we can do some business. I can buy your cloth. There are people like that. Koku said fancy asses. Fancy asses. <laughs> no, but there, there are, but there are people like that because that's, that's how they travel. So they, they say, I'm going to get my 10 days worth. I want my stuff curated. And this is where Passport to Zuri comes because there's a certain niche of people that need their shit curated, like laid out for them. And there's well, different levels. Yeah. Let me, let me, point of correction. We are not about that because, no. as you know, we didn't, we didn't even do it that way, right? No, you did not. But I'm saying that, yeah. There, there are people, you're right, who need to travel that way in order to feel comfortable. And, you know, I respect those people. Everybody's entitled to their own, but we're not able to, we, we can't even co-sign it because we didn't even travel that way. Even though like Ghana was actually, I don't want to count South, South Africa because we were there literally for just a moment. Right. Yeah. But Ghana was the first country that we stayed in for, you know, an extended period of time and there was no family member if you will, yeah. to stay with that accommodated us and things of that nature, right? So we yeah. were really, truly, like, dependent upon your guidance on where we were going to stay and, and make sure that we could get around, so on and so forth. So, like, if we could talk a little bit about Adabraka, because I uh. remember, um, I love Adabraka. I really do. Okay. And I still love it, too. I see you mm. over there drinking your stout. Okay. Yes. Toku, you see mm. him acting up. This is getting smooth. It's different, huh? Yeah. We always say um, Accra Rab is different from New York Rab. What New York boy? New York will beat you down, but that's let's, let's <laughs> talk about it another time. <laughs> all, all of us, all of us on this call has ran away from New York, but then we come kind of come back to it again. Right, like, right. I'm going. I'm going back to Indiana. I'm going back to Illinois. I'm going back to Ohio. I'm going back to Maryland. Uh, Coco, let me get back to New York. Coco <laughs> yeah. said that that drink was the equivalent of seventy cents, seventy U.S. cents. That big, yes. tall bottle of uh, Guinness Smooth, if you will. So, yeah. Adabraka, one of the uh, neighborhoods in 
isn't it in central Accra region? It's it's in Accra, the city, which mm -hmm. is in the greater Accra region, which is like greater the state Accra. of like okay. which is the province. But it's in Accra, the city of Accra. It's a it's a native out of Accra. It's an old old neighborhood. So it's it's a it's a proper neighborhood. You got you know gridded streets, street lights, proper city. You know, yeah. private houses, um, storefronts, it's a proper neighborhood, you know, you know. Yes. And yeah. so the thing about Adabraka that I feel like it has its own charm. Um, yeah. I, one of the experiences that we had one evening, you know, we weren't, we didn't have plans to go to anybody's like event or club. So we just wanted to get food in the area. And, you know, of course, two young women, um, we felt very safe walking, yeah. you know, into the, the evening hours. We didn't feel at all like we might get robbed or anything like that. Um, even though Adabraka is not necessarily like a wealthy area by any means. And so we stopped by one of the cookeries. Um, because they had the sign out that said fufu and light soup. And I just really wanted fufu. Like, I really just wanted to eat fufu. And um, cassava and plantain. Right. And it was cool because the lady, she was kind of first like, what are you guys doing here? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't look like you yeah. would, you know, she was very polite. Very local. polite. The, wor the word is local. Yeah, but she was very much local. like, you guys are not local, well, you know, and yeah. um, we explained, you know, that we were traveling and we were, you know, um, coming from, going to, all those details, and it turned out her mother, I believe, um, is Sierra Leonean, but she was raised in Accra since she was very young, so she didn't know the language. So we mm -hmm. immediately kind of connected. I think she hooked me up with like an extra ball of fufu, if you will. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, the you know the vibes, the salon vibes. Um, but it was just what I what I appreciated about the environment in the neighborhood was like, even though these people were not by any means wealthy, they all seemed very comfortable and content. And they had their daily, whatever they did to get money, and they were okay with that. So whatever it was that they did, you didn't see, like, anything on their face that made you feel like they were disgruntled, if you will. No. They just seemed very content. Um, and that was different from some of the other African countries that we had, you know, visited which, you know, that's why I, I'm always like, at least visit two so you'll have a perspective, right? And right, me especially, right. we were on our way to my home country. So I was taking all of the notes mentally because I really was going to do my side by side. And that's yeah, one of the yeah. things that I really appreciated about um, Adabraka and you recommending that experience because I got to also go to East Lake Gone and spend some time. So I saw what living was like out there as well as living in Adabraka, you yeah. know, it was just, no matter what part you were in, it was good. It was really good. And there's this notion, you know, people are like, oh, they say Accra is like one of the safest cities in Africa, blah, blah, blah. You know, some people try to hate 
if they're not Ghanaian. But for me, not being Ghanaian, I'm Sierra Leonean, um, it's true. Like, yeah. we really felt good. We really felt safe. Um, and people were really just genuinely friendly or they minded their business. Yeah. Has and that changed at all? No. So when we knew we it was a buzz in the air that they're going to lock down Accra. And when we hear the word lockdown, that means like your, your, your daily life is going to be disrupted somehow, mm-hmm. some way. And we knew because we're Africans and it's an African metropolitan area, it cannot be the same lockdown as Hamburg, Germany, or, or Paris, France, or Milan, Italy. It can't, it can't be the same. So we knew there's going to be some adjustments and everything. And I had to make a decision. I was about to run to the eastern region, which is like a run into another state. And I was about to run to a rural area and say, I'm going to just sit out in the rural area. And I was trying to weigh, like I said, I know I got food because stuff grows everywhere and people are very communal. But I made the decision to stay in Adabraka for three weeks and pretty much self-isolate. So the only time I ever went out was to get food. But the thing about Adabraka was there was food everywhere. So one of the rules in Ghana with the lockdown was that restaurants can stay open, but it's only good for takeout. Pharmacies can stay open so you can buy if you need your topical cream or your ointment or your pill to pop. Everything, and then supermarkets can stay open because they have essential items. Right. Medical, medical supplies and food. So two supermarkets around the corner from the apartment complex we stayed in. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Food everywhere because rest, it's, it's an urban city area, so restaurants are still open, but you can go just for takeout. Not only that, people were able to sell food as long as they practice the, the, the four or five um, protocols. Have some kind of um, running water and soap before you can buy the food. The thing I'm trying to get at is I always was able to eat because there were kiosks everywhere. This one is selling fried rice and chicken. This one is frying plantain. This one is frying yam and, and turkey wings. This one is, is, is stir frying noodles. Indomie noodles with uh, whatever, sardines. This one is making bread and egg. This is always food to eat. So I made the the wise decision to stay for those three weeks, those 21 days in the apartment complex that you're familiar with in Adabraka. It was very easy. People that live in East Lake going in those uh, upper class areas, they were stocking up on food. I didn't have to do that because I know I could just walk around the corner. And when I walked in, the shelves were full. Mm. Yes, yes, commerce stopped because that means like people selling other things like plastic bowls and everything, commerce stopped. But food was still coming in Accra from other, other, other parts. They were allowed to come in. And, you know, they would check them, just test them, and see if they were virus, have virus symptoms. Like, okay. do they have a fever with the thermometer? And then they're allowed to bring their truck in with the food. So we never had that problem, like no food shortage. But the people who have food shortages are what we call the poverty-stricken people. So if you're hustling to sell washcloths, you know, something mm. like this, in the street, and how many washcloths can you sell in the traffic? Now they're telling you that you can't go in the traffic and sell washcloths because it's not an essential item. You just, lost your, you just lost your way to make the currency to buy food 
because they you live in hand to mouth. So you get right. some money in your hand and they put some food in your mouth. The next day, wake up and start it all over. This is like throughout the developing world. I don't care if you're in Ecuador. I don't care if you're in Sierra Leone. This is how it works. So right. I may have had food because I had Ghanaian CDs to go buy food. So I give them my currency to give me something I want. Now this guy wants to eat, but he ain't got nothing to give them. And the barter system is dead because nobody needs a plastic bowl. They'd rather take the currency. So those people started protesting. Like this lockdown is killing us. This lockdown is killing us. And if you turn on the news today, any of the foreign news, you see this going on in Argentina, throughout South America right now. Like it's South America. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so did that, has at, the Iranian government at, done anything to Yes, yes. So, so a lot of those people lived in Adabraka. After they sell their wares, they come back home to go to sleep. So mm. they kind of started disrupting the neighborhood because they got restless. Like, I, I'm... I need to make money. They're not lazy. I want to go out there and make money, but they're telling me I can't go out there because they're trying to prevent me interacting with other humans. Rightly so. And it's one of the main reasons why we don't have high cases or high deaths here or um, like what's happened in the South American countries or what happened in Asian countries. People banging on the hospital door, let me in. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. That has not happened in Ghana. It has not happened. There are no people... I mean, we got ventilators here, but I, I think like the last report from this morning, maybe like four people on ventilators now out of the whole country. So let me Where ask you, this. yeah, did you did you hear of any reports of any shortages of toilet paper? No, not like America. It was check this out. It was shortages of alcoholic based gel based sanitizers. Okay. Because those shits was manufactured outside of Ghana. So the president said, we got to get the local manufacturers to, to start make, making, making your own. That shit, that solved the problem. All the alcohol companies say, oh, we got alcohol as a byproduct. All we had to do is boost up the alcohol volume to 70%. Now we have isopropyl alcohol. It was very easy for them to convert their machine. Oh, we just got to get the molds for the plastic bottles. And now, Hannah's, it was, it was, it became so easy. That shit is, that sanitizer stuff is everywhere now. Like, every little kid on the street is selling hand sanitizer. Like, proper so, World Health Organization standard sanitizer. So, basically, so there was no shortage of food, no shortage of medical supply. Go ahead. Ghana has demonstrated what it's like as an African country, maybe categorized as developing, if you will. How important it is to be able to self-sustain. I love it. I love it. That's what's up. Now I will tell you, you know, for those that are joining, thank you so much for those that have recently joined, those that will see this afterwards, you know, it it it's actually one of the things that has brought me comfort through all of this because my sister is there in Accra yeah. with you in that She's same good. And I knew she would be better off yeah. staying there than even trying to travel on one of those expensive repatriation flights yeah. that were astronomically in price to come and risk going through JFK and, or wherever they said that they were going to drop her off at. I knew it made more sense for her to stay in Accra until yep. the, the country borders are lifted. Because to your point, 
you know, she's like, yeah, we're, I mean, we're good. We're good. good. <laughs> yeah. So it's a real blessing. That's one of the reasons why I, and I'm sure Koku, we've, we've been asked on other, you know, interviews and whatnot. That's why we really adore Ghana because at the end of the day, it, it is a country that is not only welcoming, but mm. the, the governance takes pride in taking care of their people. It's a priority. Yeah. I yeah, won't it's say not Ghana a mystery. Is, yeah. yeah, it's not a perfect country. Every country has its political woes, history, so on and so forth. But when you really look at the grand scheme of things, you know, Ghana has done an amazing job over the past 20, 25 years to build up their infrastructure and take care of their people. There is a time historically where that wasn't the case. And many... Well, that, well that's why my my parents yeah. left there. Left. And, and, and we all got stories why our parents left. Because right, right. it, it wasn't, wasn't the case either. back then. <laughs> um, Koku also adds the men in Ghana are also extremely gorgeous. And that also helps us sway towards the Ghana way. Ah, okay. That's that's I mean that's what Koku's saying, you know, I will plead the fifth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I will plead okay. the fifth. But um but no, she I mean knows, that's what she knows she's like those Arusha guys. So she's talking about <laughs> not <laughs> Oh those those Arusha people. Go to my Koku, you wanna comment? <laughs> Koku, you got anything to say about the Arusha bit? <laughs> oh my god oh man uh you want to talk about uh one of the things that we used to tease you about you felt me that you had to tell us every single day about hamatan season you know that right now i don't remember every, telling you about that it was every, perfectly every single it was day, particularly right? bad this 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 year return time was bad this time yeah but that's another story why was it? Why was it bad versus the other times? Any no, particular one, reason? The dust, because you know, Hamatan in most West African countries is the, the Sahara Desert. The winds blowing Sahara, so it kicks up this dust high into the sky, and then it pushes it south. So it pushes this like places like Sierra Leone and Ghana, and the dust is just hanging in the air. I would come in my room and just wipe my desk. Just Chalky white dust every day, white and chalky dust. So imagine yeah. that that was going into your system. So, yeah. <laughs> and then, guys, imagine every day you're told about Hamatan and the dust every day. If okay. you're if you're one of Rab's guests, you will hear that story every day. But it's all good. Wow. It never gets old. We'll never forget what Hamatan season is because of you. Okay, because those year we returned, people kept me asking me, what the hell is going on with the weather? <laughs> I said, I said, okay, I told this Kenyan woman, I said, okay, let's go outside. It's one o'clock in the afternoon, look directly at the sun. And she's like, oh, what's that disc in the sky? I said, that's the sun, but it's obscured by the, the fine dust particles. She's like, oh, that's not dust, that's, that's, that's fog. I said, no, that's not moisture, baby doll. No, 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 no. Dust. Anyway. We we all learned from Rab. So oh. I know we're 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 getting close to um IG kicking us off. It's been it's about close to an hour. Um what would you like to impart on the listeners about what is happening in Ghana 
what would you like to impart as far as your thoughts of leaving them? <laughs> My mom is ridiculous. I just want you guys to know she did that okay. on purpose. She's very petty. <laughs> She's very petty. Um, what would you like to impose on those who, as far in part, if you will, and, and leave with those who have an interest in visiting the continent? you know, based off of what you've seen, based off of some things that you're not really particularly fond of with African diasporans that fit into those five categories, what would you like to see? Uh, what would I like to see? From the diasporans or yes. from Ghanaians themselves? No, the diasporans. Oh, the diasporans. Uh, I would like to see that 1% upheld uphold their their um commitment to actually begin their business here in ghana because mm. the truth is a lot of asians and a lot of europeans get businesses popping like like it's nothing mm. i don't care if you're asian from the arab descent or asian from the indian descent or asian from the chinese descent they don't seem to have a problem with like living and working and bringing family members over and bringing people and getting get business popping Mind you now that China gets state-sponsored, government-sponsored things, and other people have large connections to wealth. So, so a lot of these diasporans only have enough money, barely have enough money for vacation to do packages. So I don't really expect them to come start businesses. But I always say, like, do not flood my Facebook timeline, my Twitter timeline, my Instagram timeline, which are posts about racism in, in, in North America. Escape that shit, because people left... There are other countries that come to America to escape political nonsense, economic nonsense, um, cultural nonsense, and start new lives. So you black Americans, you Jamaicans talk about too much violence in Jamaica, escape it and come do your thing. That's what it, I impart onto them. Stop talking, 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 talking. Just get up. Don't tell me, oh, I, I, I want to go, but I can't leave. Really? But yeah, you keep talking about Racism, racism, Trump, 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 racism, racism, Trump, Trump, Trump. <laughs> you know, somebody was talking about Mobutu Sese Seko or some dictator or some war, some civil war. They didn't go war, war, war. They got the, they got, got the hell out of there. <laughs> Straight up. Enough talk. Uh, it's so interesting I have, you yeah. say that. Yeah. You say that. I've never even thought about that, but that's literally why my parents came. That's literally why. Everybody can go yeah. on and on and on. Like, you have options. And now if you think Ghana is all that, Ghana's not perfect. But right. damn, I, 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 some Asians and some Europeans, they don't have a problem coming here. So what's up with you with your African DNA uh, endowed in self? What's the problem? Hmm. <laughs> don't tell me the language because both colonized better. Yeah, yeah. So. That's a word, Brad. That's a word. Koki now, says... Get your Marcus Garvey life together. Uh -huh. So for the di diasporans, like who has died first generations, like direct African parents and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, what you going to do with that education you got in England or Canada or the United States? What's up? What, do, well, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> so I will say, and I'll, I, I will say with um, one of the comments, rabbit's not that easy, which I do agree with. And so... I will ask you to impart some knowledge on the Ghanaians or even the other Africans that are on the continent. 
what is the other side to that? Because it's not that easy. And it definitely starts with Africans on the continent being open to African diasporans who have an interest in coming. Well, money talks. And you can get any African behind you when you're saying, you're showing them how to make money and how they can get part of your, your hard-earned money. All the other the talk will stop. So, so that's, 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 no, that's, right. that's real. Like, that's it. Yeah. And that's really how the Europeans, the Chinese, so on and so forth, have been able to excel. Yeah. It's because of the money that they have. So um, it's easier said than done. We may have to have you visit us on another discussion uh, to dig deep into that because yeah. there's so much to unpack. But our whole goal with you know these conversations is to reiterate the fact that it starts with travel. And granted, of sure. course, right now we're in a season called COVID-19 and travel is, you know, uh, pretty much at a halt. But God willing, once that gets back in play and people are able to start planning and booking trips and travel, you know, what do you say to somebody who's used to booking a trip in the Bahamas that's an African diasporan? Well, the virus and raging has changed everything. If you don't mind, if I can mention dates, I can give you a, a better perspective. As long as IG doesn't kick you off, man, do your thing. So, thirty-first May, thirty-first May, Ghana is going to announce the considerations of opening international borders, land, sea, yeah. and air. Yo, man, we were just wrapping it up, and Rav was about to drop some jewels, and then IG was like, "Let's get Rav back on here." So he can finish his thought. There we go. Thanks so much for joining again and listening to the gems that Rav is dropping. Oh, you said come back. Okay. <laughs> you see, you see how IG doesn't care, man. If you're not a part of Versus. It's over after that, that, that 60 minutes. It's over. Okay, so we've got some people that have joined, um, some that have rejoined. Thank you so much. We are in conversation with Rab Bakri. Um, and in our last hour, he was really just wrapping up and sharing with us um, his thoughts on... First, we talked about what should, what's his message to African diasporans that are interested, have an interest, but are not quite convinced to shift from traveling uh, to like the Bahamas or European trip, something that they're, they're used to and that can be easily curated through a click here and a click there or whatever. How do they yeah. shift their mindset to decide to visit the continent for the first time, particularly a very welcoming touristy country such as Ghana, city Accra to be specific. So Rab, you shared your thoughts on how they should, they should consider, you know, quitting the whole, if you're so into 
the politics and all of the mayhem, if you will, that is experienced here in the United States or some of the yeah. other respective countries, why don't you just bust a move and and upheave and leave like how our parents did to come to this country? Um, but my response to that is, and that of some of my our guests agree, that's not easy. It's not that easy. <laughs> said and done. So what what? What do you have to impart to the African that is based in Africa on the continent that would be in a position to receive such diasporans, either as a traveler or somebody who is really truly interested in doing business? Uh, that, that, well, receive is a, that's a that's a funny term because are you saying that someone should come from another country, land in the country, and then they should be received by people like? A lot of a lot of people who live in North America and Europe and, the, and and these places, South America. They they think the government isn't it's supposed to do things for them because they're just so detached. So, and they rely on government. Government's not supposed to do that. So now you go back to the people. Now what are the people supposed to do? So the people who have to create opportunities mm. for people to come in and and do their business. So. Hmm. So you're saying you're saying that Africans on the continent need to take some ownership in the process of res of of creating opportunities for yeah, diaspora not the government and yeah, not wait not, on the government to do that. No, not the government. The government is supposed to. Well, how do they do it? Um, they they have to make it attractive without no corny corny business. They have to make it attractive that. Oh, so you want to grow rice. Well, this particular area in this region is suitable for rice. And let me help you make the connections to secure the land. And you help me, you help us make the connections to secure the machinery to process the agro, the, ag the agriculture. It's got to be something like that. Because what's happening is a lot of diocesans come and they don't have any networks, any, um, yep. Somebody needs to set up. Yeah. Somebody needs to curate things for them. Somebody needs to have like a prep system ready. So when they come, they can say, Oh, oh this has been tried and tested. This failed. This worked. This, that they need research. Like it's hard. Cause when you start looking for like business opportunities in the, in the Republic of Ghana, it's all over the internet. There's no one concise place where you can mm -hmm. just pull information. Oh, this is where I need to go to register this. Oh, this is what I need to go to get this. Oh, this is, this, these are the banks I need to put my money in to convert into Ghanaian money to do my business. It's, you I know mean, what? And, and yeah. I literally was yeah. just discussing that with one of my cousins um, less than an hour ago. Um, shout out to- um, That's the government company. that's supposed to do that. You know. no. We, we talked about that extensively, Aretha and myself, when I was in Sierra Leone, you know, her being in Accra, she was definitely like, um, she really helped me to kind of take in what I was, okay, we'll do cheers. We'll do cheers. <laughs> this, is, this is just apple juice. Um, I, I don't have any Guinness around because I don't drink Guinness, but cheers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, she, she really helped me with my mental fortitude of trying to, like, 
taking all of what I was seeing and experiencing while I was in Sierra Leone and all of my frustrations as a diasporan, you know, being immersed into the way things are done on a regular basis and just how obscure it all seemed to me. Um, and one of the things that, you know, she talked about and talked through with me, she was like, you know, you're, you're going to have to get to a point first where you can like really take it all in. It's just a lot. Right. Um, but also there has to be a notion where people feel like they can, they can really connect. They can really say, okay, I could offer a co-op um, where I own all this land and these people, these foreigners, if you will, have some sort of resource where they could come and farm and together we can get this money. We're seeing it happen yeah. with Chinese. Well, it's not even land. It's not even land though. It's like for example, other, other, other resources. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, what are you going to do to help facilitate this, Brad? No, what I'm saying, a lot of people I'm talking to, they're still thinking tourism. They're coming as tourists. So mm. I facilitate them as tourists. It's like that 1% that's like, oh, I, I, I want to start a, a human resources consulting company in Ghana mm. because I or I want to start an IT service, a field service company. So who's who, who installs Wi-Fi systems inside the office building? I want to start a company that services all these offices buildings that's coming up. It's always like 1% that do that, but the, everybody else is like, yo, can you suggest a, a, a beach resort for me in the Western region, which is like another state in Ghana? Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. Oh, why? That's too much. And now you want to contract me to figure out which one is, fits your price range? Nah, I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to look on the internet. You can do that yourself. <laughs> so mm -hmm. when you challenge me to like, what am I doing to do that? I say, most people think it's tourism and I'm not, into curating tourism, like Passport to Zuri and stuff like that. Quit shading us. No, it's not shading. It's low-key shading. <laughs> it really is. Like Passport to Zuri. Like, no. What we're facilitating, let me be very clear for those of you who are new to us mm. and are taking in this shade that Rab is giving, let me be very clear. We are not facilitators of tourism as far as like accommodating, setting you up, okay. so on and so forth. Absolutely not. We're not that. We're not interested in doing that. It's not what Koku nor I really truly have on our hearts to do. What we're facilitating is a mindset shift. Uh -huh. We want to facilitate changing your mind, changing your perspective about traveling and reconnecting truly building a connection mm -hmm. to a space and place on the continent. We're not interested in you coming for quick hits. Again, we didn't do that. Our total trip, Koku's was shorter than mine, but hers being shorter than mine, she was on the continent for three months. Mm -hmm. I was on the continent for eight. There is nothing quick about it. You know, except for our, our moments in South Africa, which was low-key like being in America, which was very unattractive to us. So our goal is to inform people and facilitate dialogue and help to get questions 
answered and ensure okay. that you're left with thoughts that provoke you to de to dig deeper and reconsider facilitating uh, vacations where your monies are going into places and spaces in the world that they're kind of expired. You've been there, we've done that. How many more times are you gonna go to Miami? How many more times are you gonna go to the Bahamas? How many more times when you I've have- I've never been to the Bahamas. Generally speaking, I mean, I, I haven't okay. either, right? Okay. But <laughs> for me, I've never really, I'm not against it. Like if anybody's down to buy my ticket to the Bahamas, as soon as outdoor opens, I'm down, right? But like in my heart of hearts, I've never really wanted to go to the Bahamas in that way that I wanted to go to the places that I've been able to visit. Right. So we're, we're running into people prior especially to our trip when we talked about the, the idea of going to africa it was like there was like a scorpion on our head oh my god why would you do that mm. it was as if we said the unthinkable and you're right once we traveled and started sharing um through social media posts what we were seeing what we were experiencing people were shocked yeah. People who and, we've and known for years, personally, friends, people we went to college with, you know, people who maybe we worked alongside with, different connections. They were shocked because the images and the footage that we were posting was so attractive and they could not fathom because of preconditioning that Africa, parts of Africa could even look like that. So our goal continues to be to present content whether it's through photos videos conversation wow. that shifts your thought process from what is africa to oh i'm familiar with this because i know some people or i know a network of people affiliated with passport to zuri who are constantly redefining through our narratives what africa is actually like not what the media taught us 15, 20, 30 years ago. I see. Oh, so mine's okay. The mind corrected. Yeah. You said corrected, and it's okay. We forgive you and your Hamatan talk. Mm hmm. Yes. So <laughs> we've had a couple more people join. Um, for those of you that just joined, welcome. However, we are actually wrapping up our conversation. Um, we have been blessed with the international traveler, DJ producer, one of the founding DJ producers of the genre hip life, um, Rab Bakri. I am waiting to add the title of author alongside ah. that introduction, but we'll see. Oh. Or television producer, or I mean something. Yeah. Just get it, get it together, Rab. Get it together. It's, you have it's so happening. much experience it's, it's going and down. knowledge. It's going down. Bless us it's with it. It's going down. All right. So, where can the people find you if they want to connect to you? Uh, Instagram, which is those who can see that right now, R A B underscore B A K. Mm -hmm. A-R-I. And my other favorite thing is to comment and 
join other people's conversation on Twitter. And that's at Rab's World. R-A-B-S World. Like okay. Le Monde. Yeah. Okay. So you're one of those petty ones on Twitter. Cool, cool, cool. No. Do you taunt people on Twitter or are you just informative? No, I, I jump in people's conversations and comment on what they posted. Yeah. So that's not being petty. You're low-key a troll. <laughs> no, it's not like trolling. <laughs> it's okay, Rap. It's all right. Dress it up however you want. Dress it up however you want. You want it up. It's okay. Well, <laughs> the beautiful thing about Twitter is people who live out in Twitterverse, they know how to deal with each other. Yeah. So, yeah. Tread lightly. So, yes. We appreciate you joining us. Um, again, I'm pretty sure that we'll invite you back soon to talk about um, topics that are truly relevant to the process of the diasporan. Yeah, like IT, IT and entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have you back. For those of you who joined us today in this hour as well as the last hour, we appreciate you joining. You'll be able to listen to a recap of this or watch the recap on our IGTV um, as well as on SoundCloud at Passport to Zuri. Cool, cool. So, cool. Rab, be safe, be well. Well, that, that's what I just, before you go, I just wanted to show you that mm -hmm. it, it, it really is really is safe here in Ghana. Um, Ghana has over 6,000 confirmed cases. So it's not really COVID-19. It's just like that identified the virus in over 6,000 people. Okay. Unfortunately, the Republic of Ghana has lost 31 people to COVID-19 disease. And they say 3,100, and they say 31,000, like these European and, and North American numbers. I said 31 people since wow. they first started the vector of the virus. But Amen. the recovery cases is about to go up. So out of those 6,000 people, by tomorrow, about a third of them would have recovered from the virus. They mean they had it and they recovered. Mm. So, and one of the best things about the Republic of Ghana is, like I said, the preventive measures to stop people from banging on the hospital door saying, I'm sick, I'm sick. I'm dying at my home in my apartment. Get me to that, to the hospital. That has not happened in Ghana. It could happen, but because of the government response and the people themselves here in Ghana saying that we don't want to get to that level where we overwhelm our hospital system because we ain't really have, we really don't have a hospital system here to handle that mess. Because if it's knocking out so-called developed and first world superpower countries, imagine what it would do to the Republic of Ghana if the hospitals got overwhelmed. So on that point is, um, we'll, we'll see this through. There'll be some Absolutely. losses, there'll be, be some disruptions to life and now Ghana, right in January, they had this thing called Beyond the Year Return. So they're trying to tweak that narration now, Beyond the Year Return in a COVID-19 environment. And then you'll understand what's going to happen in the next six months. So six months from now, will be like the middle of November. You'll start hearing talk again about returning back to Ghana. Mm. Some looking for that orgasm. Some looking to actually get that business opportunity popping because they saw 
or they're seeing now what they really have, where they're living, and you know, all that. So then maybe now that 1% really want to get his business popping in November. And the other 99% want to just get that orgasm, partying. Absolutely. And people like my friend uh, DJ Castro and Kumasi, we'll just we'll, we'll be DJing for them and providing the sounds for them. But at the same time, I'll be welcoming those who want to look at business opportunities, particularly entertainment and information technology. Okay. All right. And then well, I, yep. we'll make sure that um, <clears throat> we add, yeah, I love the term. I think you should actually go ahead and coin that. Oh, um, cultural, cultural orgasm? Cultural orgasm. Oh, man, they were wearing the, the, the Kente cloths here. They was, I'm royalty. It was, cra it was crazy. I was like, okay, really? <laughs> okay. You know, you know, yeah. you know, I feel the vibes, but you know, this is from my, my own clothing line, right? So it's like, we always was on this, right? Yeah, right, right. But yeah, <laughs> we, we saw some of the fashion recklessness out there, but you know what? They were connecting and overall it was just beautiful to see. So either way, but yeah. We're going to make sure that we share your information in the repost of this because I think yeah. it is important um, that people that are interested but they're not connected, they they connect to a reliable resource. And we definitely yeah. stamp you as a reliable resource um, yeah, to you, truly connect we, in Ghana. We didn't even talk about like those 10 to 12 days you and uh, Coco were here, like the whole cultural experience. You talked a little bit about eating food, but you visited like a 400-something-year-old uh, European construction, what they call a castle and stuff. Actually, you visited yeah. two castles. So we didn't even talk about the culture and stuff. Like everybody's going to come to Ghana for a different reason. And let them come, you know. They should come. That's the whole thing. There's, yeah, so, yeah. Much, there's so much that's offered, yeah. right? Keep an open mind, allow yourself to be moved by what you experience. You know, that structured type of traveler that you mentioned earlier in our conversation that, yeah. you know, wants to do five-star things and Western world things, um, but just be in a different country doing it. We may not be for you. We may not be yeah. offering you the type of narrative that you can really understand or gravitate towards. That's fine. We're not for everybody, but for those right. who are really open and want to know about the whole picture and, and try and absorb the, the wholeness of an experience outside of, you know, wherever your di diasporic uh, place of residence is. These are yeah. the types of conversations that we're having. We yeah. stamp RAV as one of our approved connectors. <laughs> yes, sir. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, Rob. Over right. and out. We will talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks cool. for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bisous, bisous. Yeah, best you. Yeah, Bye. <laughs>
not bad either. Dinker symbols. Dinker is Akan culture. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we care a lot about... Shoes are being made here. She's curating everything. These guys are good. Phil and Joe, I met them. They made very good shoes. The shoes you showed me, when I said these, these guys are made very good shoes. Phil and Joe. Sandals. <gasps> I know, it's ridiculous. How much is this kid? Oh, my God. Nice one. Oh. Purse. Yeah. oh my god, it reminds me of mine. My clutch. I was, I was trying to get over here to get a bow tie to go to the event the other night, and I'm buying this from Boko, Boko 8. I wanted to get this one here, but I was wearing that night. Yeah. I had to find a different one. I'm going to come get this one. I have a whole bow tie too. She has a young fashion. Okay, Brad, let me um, yeah. pay this girl, please. Oh. Uh, this is rude. All of it. <laughs> no, honestly. This is actually just, it's just rude. Look at this bag. Yo, this bag is ill. Yeah. And that's a proper good leather. Yeah. Exactly. You know it's no vinyl nonsense. Yeah. The culprits. <laughs> Bro, you have, like, curating stuff, you don't have time to enjoy a crowd and go out. No. You know, but I think I'm enjoying a crowd because now they, all the artists come to me. Yeah. I want to be good. That's how she's so focused on her work. She's the designer. And yeah. Like, I'm like, let's go out. I was like, nah, man. No. I get that work done. It's too much work. You just yeah. go yeah. around. Yeah. I would get all the cool people from here. So, yeah. Fine, man. <laughs> so your vision is... Beyonce. Clearly. The Republic Bell, we were just Oh, there. yeah, we were just there. Yeah. All the cool ones. So, I'm doing, we're working on an animation series. Oh, the, 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 I remember junior. you. Yeah, the junior yeah, you high school. me. Yeah. So, me and him, I'm just trying to get the budget down. Warm it up, King. Warm it up, King. heavy. <laughs> Very nice to see something different. Yes, Hans yeah. and Akati is, yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. 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 A, a different and good. Yes. <laughs> it's a fufu. Oh my gosh, it's dope. Yeah. Let's go for like a minute. And then the last one. Thank you for spending time with us at I Am Gaima a podcast. It's a shit show out here, y'all. We need each other more than ever. So let's stay connected. Feel free to share, like, and subscribe on various social media platforms. You can find us at I am Gaima or Gaima Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For a deeper connection, consider joining the community. Visit gaimashow.com to submit your email and become a part of the monthly conversations. I actually try and send out notes consistently and I respond. Until next time, be intentional 
about what you listen to and protect your peace.